Hey out there, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Movie Geeks United. Got a lot to cover in this week's show, starting with all the movies I'm sure that uh, my cohorts have watched in the past couple of weeks. We're waiting for Jerry to call in, and we'll patch him through as soon as he does. But first, Dean, what's up? Yes. Hey, how's it going? Feels like forever since we've just had a normal show where we haven't had a whole bunch of stuff going on, but it's good. I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, and actually, let me just say this. I, th- I think, uh, I mean, it's nice to see that the movie year is getting a little bit better. Uh, the the offerings in August are uh, quite a bit better than they were in uh, the previous months of the summer and even in the spring. But um, I guess chief among the ones, I'll, I'll get the bad things out of the way. I, I uh, the the things that <clears throat> I, I recently watched the Wave, which is the Norway the, the Norwegian movie that just won the Norwegian Best Picture Oscar, um, and was la- it was also last year's Norwegian entry into uh, the American Oscars, uh, but. Uh, and I just thought, you know, have you ever watched a? Have, have you seen it, Jamie? Have you yes. watched the wave? I review. I watched. I watched it. Um, watched it earlier this year, and I talked a little bit about it. I, yeah. I, if that's the best that Norway has to offer, uh, <laughs> I'm curious how bad the other movies are because it is no no different, no better or worse or prestige than the the day after tomorrow. It's just the fact I, that it's in a foreign language. They try to play it off as an art film of some sort. <laughs> right. It was such an eye. That's that's exactly the, the, the reaction I had. I was like, if you've ever been watching, you know, a terrible movie, I don't know. I'm just going to pick something out of the air, like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, Deep Impact or whatever. Any kind of, like, average, sort of average Hollywood action movie. And you thought... I wonder if this would be better if it was in a foreign language, if I would think that it was better simply because it wasn't being spoken in English, the dialogue, the terrible dialogue. Well, here's your answer, and the answer is no, it's just as bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter what language it's in. Uh, the let me, universal... let me carry on. Hey. Okay, hey. So are you hey. talking about the wager? Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, but... I never even bothered with that just because I didn't care. Um, yeah. But the the universal the universal language is stinkiness, and this has it in spades. And it's just a really, you know, just average kind of blah kind of disaster movie. Um, and you say the same things about it that you would in a, a, a you know like a blah Hollywood action movie, which is well, I like some of the effects, but. Uh, Everything else you know what? I wrote. You, you, you know. Do you want to know? Do you want to know what a natural? You know, because this is the natural disaster genre. If you want to know a great foreign language film, that's a natural disaster film. Watch Force Majeure. I mean, that's yeah, what yeah. you would think of as the art art film version of those movies. Exactly. That's exactly it, right. And and, and, I, and it becomes a perfect not, movie. Yeah, and I mean, it's not about. 
what's great about that movie is it's not really about the natural disaster. It's about the uh, it's about the aftermath. So yeah, uh, I mean, like, yeah, that movie uh, and, was perfect though, because I always it, thought that movie summed up. You know, it didn't matter what nationality you were. You're, you're the most important thing to you is your your smartphone. That's what you're going. That's what you're going <laughs> back for. But I think that hit on something. That hit on a universal nerve. Like, wow, this is really, um, you know, a symptom of not not America, but of the whole like you, you want to say world. Really, wow, it's the technology. We're so glued to our technology. The first thing you think of when you know all hell breaks loose is, oh my God, my smartphone. And I think from and that the aftermath is all about that. That's what you were rushing for. You were it's rushing funny for that kids. you came away with the from from that movie with that. I mean, I I, I that didn't really enter into my my mind as like a, as like an issue that's brought up in the film. Well, I, I really I really looked at it as a movie. Well, hold on, I really looked at it as a movie about about you know a a marriage that's crumbling. Well, I thought that was symptomatic because that he thought that was more important. Than his mm-hmm. fight for his kids. That's what the aftermath is about. I mean, that uh-huh. is, that's really what that's. I mean, that's what he felt was important. Not mm. that his family was there at the avalanche or anything. But my God, my smartphone. Because I see this every day. It is the technology that is so we're so wrapped up. I mean, I work with a guy who plays Pokemon Go in his car and nearly got into a car accident. Okay. Yeah. The difference here is. The natural disaster, which is the inciting incident in all of these movies, in force majeure, it exposes character. And it's not a shallow exposure of character, like it brings out the best in us and all that kind of stuff. No, Mm -hmm. it's a a lot more complex and layered than that. Yes. And to, and to speak to that, Force Majeure is also finds time to actually be funny in in its insightfulness. Like it's right. it, it's not just a dour, dramatic sort of oh, our marriage is dying or whatever. It's not just that. It's it it actually it it actually finds some humor in it as well. Mm-hmm. I would even almost classify it as a dark comedy. Um, uh, since Jerry is on here, I'll bring up. Um, a movie that that I didn't really, I thought was very entertaining, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't necessarily think it's the great one of the greatest movies of the year, like everybody is saying. But uh, Hell or High Water, mm-hmm. uh, I know you love Jerry, and and you're you're not alone. I mean, almost everybody seems to love it, but and so I'm kind of in the minority and trying to put a tamper on things and saying, look, it's nice and entertaining, it's good. Uh, but I don't think it's very deep. I'm not. I don't think it's very original. I mean, oh, no, no, uh, no, I've no, seen I've seen original. movies like this before. I mean, like you yeah. can go back to like Bonnie and Clyde or whatever, uh, uh, which I, was I just about deep. the same thing. I think it's deep. I agree with you on everything, but I do think it's much deeper than you're giving credit for. I, yeah, I think, why? Well, I I think it's the. If you want to know what the election's about this year, this is what it's about. Well, I mean, I don't really see that in the movie. I mean, the movie—the movie movie is really a—the movie is really. I mean, you know, you have Jeff Bridges, the the standard retiring lawman, has a complicated, complex case that could be deadly. 
he spends his last days uh, uh, in on the force uh, investigating it, and and it does become deadly. Right, right. And uh, there's a background thing of oh the bankers and how evil they are, and they're taking our shit, and and we need justice. There's that, but that was in Bonnie and Clyde. So I mean, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing groundbreaking about this. No, no, no. There's nothing groundbreaking. But he does. It's that it comes. It doesn't come from Jeff Bridges. It comes from the Native American lawmen, and he gives he's that very great good little, in it. By the way, Gil Bellingham. Gil yeah, Bellingham. He, he gives that great line where he says, "Your people, you know, destroyed my people." Mm. But then he points to the bank and he said, "Those people have killed your people." And that's really what this election is kind of about. Not just the bankers and so much, but it's about the, how, how should we say it, the, the white working class. And we can get into this later, and we might very well, um, given some of the other stuff I've watched and read in the last couple of weeks, but how the white working class has basically been decimated by the banks, even though they won't come out and say it um, so much. But it is, this is a... Not well, the reason that the white people don't say it is because they don't blame the banks. They blame the immigrants. Yeah, they so. blame the immigrants, but it shows you how how messed up they are, how easy they are um, at being fooled. But I, I found that to be a very powerful line. No, I mean, I look at this as like the summer of 92, where a, a movie that before it came out with a trailer, people were laughing at it and didn't think it stood a chance because it just looked like another loser film from Clint Eastwood, and that would be Unforgiven. But then Unforgiven comes out and gets these raves reviews. There's no reason you would have ever thought Unforgiven would be a, a great film, given that Clint Eastwood's um, trajectory for the last couple of years has been really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Pink Cadillac, The Rookie, um, several films. You know, a lot of people weren't taking him seriously. And because of lack of a very disappointing summer, um, I know we all have revisionist um, theories on Alien 3 and Batman Returns and Patriot Games, but let's not let's not forget when they came out, they disappointed. Um, the most popular movie that summer was *The League of Their Own*. Okay, let's just keep that all in perspective right now. Um, so *Unforgiven* comes out, and it's like you know, it wins best picture. It's a good movie. Well, that was the best movie of that year, though. This yeah. is not the best movie of this year. That's that's my point. I don't point. know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would be willing to say. It's I, I don't think that you've put up. I don't believe that you've put up like a an argument for why it's the best movie of the year. Oh no! I, I so think far. It's, I think it's the best movie. I think it's. I don't think it's the best movie of the year, but I think it's a surprisingly good movie. Where it has mm. no right in another year, it wouldn't have any right. It's because the field is so weak. It's that's that's, that's my okay. Now that now that's the point is that the yeah. field is but so incredibly that, weak that we're so starved. This is the sort of like happened last year with Black Mass when Black Mass came out. Everybody was like, "This is a great gangster movie, Oscar for Johnny Depp." And then you go see it, you're like, "What is? Is everybody just well? We were we were well, mistaken." This, no, <laughs> you know? but this is a lot so, better than Black Mass. I, I have to give yeah, it to Oh, this is better, but it's just a piece of entertainment. It's not it's a like a great movie. Now, having said that, I think the nice guys, um, the lobster, and I think the neon demon is by far one of the boldest movies this year. But mm. I do like this movie. I think it's a lot better than it has. In another year, we wouldn't even we wouldn't even think twice about that. Well, now they're talking compared. about a best picture nomination and all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. Unfortunately, to me, it's like to me, it's like something like Extreme Prejudice or something like that. You know, like 
there's a lawman, you know, it's, it's got a smart-ass uh, sidekick, uh, and, uh, well, I don't want to get very spoilery, but, uh, like, it, it just, it, the movie just hits a lot of beats that I've just seen before. Well, I don't know if it's If you've never prejudice. seen a movie like this before, then, you know, welcome to watching movies. I don't think Extreme Prejudice is the movie I would use. Extreme Prejudice is a film directed by Walter Hill that, for once and for all, exposes him as, my God, I really just wanted to be Sam Peckinpah when I grew up. <laughs> that, I mean, let's not, let's not, I think that's, I mean, you can't use Walter Hill as a comparison just because Walter Hill was always trying to fill in, um, he just wanted to be Sam Peckinpah. It didn't matter what movie it was, The Long Riders, Southern Comfort. Um, well, those were the good really, movies. Yeah, I mean, those were good movies, but <laughs> let's, let's good be ones. honest, he wanted to be Sam Peckinpah. Well, I there just, was, uh, for hell, I, to get back to Hell or High Water, I, do, I don't, uh, I don't really, uh, I mean, it's enjoyable, but I just wish people would keep their things in perspective, you know, because, well, it, let, me I mean, it, let me say this, because I, I, I have not seen Hell or High Water yet, I really want to, and anytime I see scenes from it, I just, I love the sound of the dialogue. First of all, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that it seems like there's a literate movie out there. Yeah, but yes. One of my reservations is he's one of our best actors, but I am kind of so tired of seeing Jeff Bridges play the old Southern coot with that same through great kind, kind of accent that he's carrying over. Yeah. yeah, and that marbles in your mouth kind of delivery, which I think also hinders uh, a little bit uh, Ben Foster's. Uh, uh, performance, and I, here's another problem I have with the movie. I, I don't really care too much. There's not. I, I'm not really given too much to care about in the two main characters in the brothers, because um, we don't really get to see them before they're uh, they've launched their uh, crimes. So, and uh, I don't know. They, they, they're just a very dour pair uh, to get, uh, and one of them's insane, uh, uh, Ben Foster. And so they're just a kind of a, I don't know. I I just it didn't they didn't capture me with their well, uh, with the characters. He said well, he said something to me that really struck me when he said to Chris Pine. He goes, I don't know. I've never been. I've never done. Any, I've never been with anyone who's gotten away with anything before. And mm. I, I found that to be a very powerful because I you know neither have I. I've never gotten away with anything before. I mean. So I found that to be a very um, touching, a very moving line. It was almost, to me, that that line was almost like when um, Bill Holden says in The Wild Bunch, you know, let's go. And the other guy, Lyle Gorse, is like, why the hell not? Why you know? not, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it was just like, I mean, it has that in it. Um, I, I think, you know, look, there are a couple of good movies out there. The ones I've mentioned... There have been some others. Anthropoid, well, we're going to go through some of them. So. Okay, good, good, good. No, But I, I think, you know what, when I see a movie like this and I see people responding to it so positively, I'm really, really happy. Because instead of saying, oh, my, you know, this, this false argument that we live in this era where TV is better than film, which, let's be very honest, is just people writing online to fill a quota, that's BS in my book. I'm sorry. You're, I hate when people say you have to make this false choice between TV or movies or whatever. Well, you don't no. have to make a choice. No, but there are people, they want you to say, oh, we live in this golden age of TV, and TV is so much better. Hey, when you ask someone what did they do this weekend, I binge-watched this weekend 
do you know how depressing that is? Do you know how I binge watch all these shows? First of all, there's no way to enjoy anything like that. And oh, I don't just, know about that. I, I, no, I, 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 really, I, love. I really disagree with that. I really disagree with that. I think, but to go back, I just think there's no better medium than motion pictures, really. I'm sorry. Well, I've seen look, a couple of good it's, ones. It's, okay, we're getting off subject here, but let's, you know, move, we can we can pick this up. Let's pick this up some other no, time. No, no, no. This is too big no, of a... I, I have to do this because I feel like I really am getting sick and tired of reading these things, how TV is so much better than movies. Well, look, let me name some shows that have come out this year that are a thousand times better than the TV than the movies I've been watching. People versus O.J. Simpson, Horace and Pete, Baskets, Billions, Ray Donovan, Better Call Saul, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Broad City, Chopped, uh, Carmichael's Show, Veep, uh, Veep, Trailer Park Boys, The Americans, uh, O.J. Made in America, Hard Earned, uh, The Night of, Stranger Things. All of them have ten. All of them have thirteen episodes or whatever, the equivalent of five movies, and they're all better. Um, I agree. I agree with most of most of what you just said. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think I've seen several movies that I would put up with all those. I haven't this year. I have. I mean, so. <laughs> okay. Well, you might have a lower lower threshold than I I do. <laughs> no, I would think I have I a mean, higher threshold, but I mean. I, I think those are all good shows you mentioned, but I think to make that, you have to make this choice. You don't have to make a choice. Well, you have, you make a choice, and the and, and people do have to make a choice as to what they, how they direct their entertainment time and dollars. Right. That, so that, that's, that's the choice. True. That is the choice. But I mean, there's just there's a lot of. I do think there's been a lot of really good movies out there this year. They're not, they're not Suicide I Squad. They're not Batman versus Superman. They're not. There, there's um, been a, there's been about fourteen or fifteen movies. Yes. Yeah, but that's a good. The equivalent good of two that's of those two of those series. Um, I mean, <laughs> the time equivalent of two of those series. But I mean, some of those shows. I mean, like, well, it's always it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's always been good. I mean, we don't need to. That's just that's a good show. Um, but some of the others, I mean, Billions, I'm not sure about, and Horace and Pete, which I do, I feel bad that Louis C.K. went broke doing it, um, and that Joe Pesci told him he wasn't funny um, when he asked him to come on the show. I always felt bad. I always felt bad for him about that. But I do think there's a lo- there's a lot of great movies. The problem is people are being directed. They they seem to think you know it's the stuff that comes out in like like four thousand years. No, there's a lot of great smaller movies that have come out this year. Well, there are. This, this is what I, this is. This is how I feel. I don't think it's an either or. I think that the the resurgence of television is the fact that television has brought out the 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 most of what it's capable of, the the kind of the best of what it's capable of in recent years. Movies right. generally have not. It's not that one is superior to the other. It's that one is fulfilling its potential a lot more than the other. I mean, I agree with that, but I I would go further and say that, 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 you know, you're more likely to find something in the TV section on your Amazon Prime uh, that will please you, whatever your taste might be, than you are paying $10 or $12 to go out to the theater to see something for only two hours. 
Maybe. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen, like I said, I've seen like a lot of, you know, let me just, na- I'll just name them all. Like this summer, The Shallows, which is a damn good horror movie. No, the two mo- Don't Breathe and Lights Out don't count. I'm sorry. Having watched Don't Breathe and the twist everyone's making a big deal about, what? the twist is in the fucking trailer. Um, <laughs> that's so true. Can we just go to, I mean, I, let's don't go to or through a list of, of uh, summer movies. I mean, but I mean, uh, well, let's talk about some more summer movies because there's so yeah. many to talk about. Let's talk about Don't Breed. Uh, what'd you, what'd you, did you see, have you gone to the movies a lot, JV? <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Why did, why did, wait, okay. Can we just say something? Why did Jamie need Scarface was on last night. What more do you need to go out and see? If Scarface yes. is on, where we could all watch parts of last night, I'm convinced. Uh, what more? Do yeah, you I need think to go so. I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk. I'll talk about a couple of movies I saw in a little bit, but they're not theatrical. Yeah, but uh, let's talk about Don't Breathe. Um, what? A, what a? Uh, I, like you know, you hear about these horror movies. People are so excited about them. Horror is the most popular genre, I think. Uh, has the most fans, and horror fans are always very excited when they sense something is just a little bit better than than most of the shit that they usually watch. Yeah. And so Don't Breathe comes up, and I guess it's a little bit better than a lot of stuff, but that didn't keep me from hating it because I really kind of hated it from the very beginning because I really didn't understand why these three characters or the there's an asshole character with cornrows that's like a bad uh, a bad James Franco impression. There's a uh there's a, a nice innocent wide-eyed little kid that's kind of in the uh, he's he's an adult but he looks like a little kid uh who's in love with the girl in the group who's actually fucking the cornrow guy. Yeah. So that tells you right there, you know, what where she's at. And then uh and so you just kind of hate these people from the beginning. They're they're breaking into houses and and uh, and uh, I, you know I mean uh, I I didn't understand why they they would even get together to begin with uh, and uh, what is the I what thought is they the, were scum I thought they were scum I they mean, were they were scum and you're rooting against them pretty much for the entire thing I said, although the movie kind of wants you to root for them. Uh, you're kind of rooting against them because they break into an old guy's house who's a, a veteran and a blind veteran played by Stephen Lang who's the best thing in the movie, not saying much. And uh, no, and he and, and he ends up you know kind of controlling the acting as the movie's monster, which I also found that to be kind of offensive as well. I mean, I'm not really looking to be offended, uh, not trying to be. Right. It's just a bad lazily uh, devised movie. I sat there in the theater and thought, if they had just done this, they could have fixed it. But they, it's like they just just charged right ahead with just the first draft sort of thing and just yeah. went ahead and filmed it. it and this, I have to say, between this and Lights Out, I, I kind of not want to ever go watch any of these horror movies that the critics rave about on Tuesday night or whenever they get out of their press screening, because i gotta be, I gotta, I got to be honest. First of all, the twist that they're all talking about, if I'm not right. mistaken, is in the trailer. It's in the trailer. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, I mean, because I'm watching, I'm like, I, I didn't even want to really see this, but then I read so many people, oh, it's so good. 
I, I was like, this is the, tw- I want to say, wait, did you guys not see the trailer for the movie? This is in this goddamn trailer. This is the thing you're all talking about that, that made you, like, shit in your pants in the theater? That's I mean, the- that, so that that's the crux of the, I haven't read any reviews. Is that the crux of like why it's getting good reviews? Is because of that? I think so because I can't think there's nothing. This is very run of the mill, Dean. Yeah. This is a really run of the mill film. Didn't I, I Adam just don't love get it. it? Didn't Adam post something? Adam, like Adam liked it. And I got into it with it, Adam. He said, actually, he Adam is the one that, that convinced me to go see it because if yeah. Adam likes this, then I thought, oh well, then I'll just go see it. You know. Sight unseen and just go and check yeah, it out. I mean, because so he's kind of hard. He's still, hard to do please. Do we still want to? Uh, do we still want to invite Adam on the show? No, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's yeah, okay. But I mean, he also he I'm didn't get my reference to Lights <laughs> Out. Um, I would thought Lights Out seemed like really bad outtakes from that movie Mama with Jessica Chastain. Mm. Remember that the, the Mama movie from a couple I never watched it. Hot yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And so, you know, Lights Out kind of reminded me of, like, just, like, Mama in some ways. I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. So you have these two movies that come out in the late part of the summer that, you know, they're, they're, they're great movies because they didn't cost a lot to make, so they make their money back the opening weekend. So that right there is, like, we're supposed to be awed by that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, by the way, I don't understand why... Remember when people used to talk about the quality of a movie instead of the grosses of a movie? Because I mean, like when I go online and see the see the discourse between people, uh, it always be, is reduced to somebody saying, "Well, it made thirty million in its first uh, five minutes of being released, so it has to be better than the yeah. other movies that didn't yeah, make no, five. Yeah, so why, you know that 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 is that is a conditioning. I mean, that is kind of like a cultural conditioning because the media never used to report on that shit. And when the mm. media, entertainment media started to focus like 100% on growth, then that became the conversation. That became the vernacular all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. The quality of the movie didn't matter. A su- success was totally defined by did, did millions and millions of people go see it. And now yeah. when it gets into the minutiae, uh, like when – Sometimes when you see people discussing, uh, actually getting into the discussion of the quality of a movie, as would happen with the with you know Batman versus Superman, and again with uh, uh, with Suicide Squad, uh, it even devolves into like discussions about branding and uh, (laughs) and uh, you know uh, setting up. The other movies, you know, and and what the what's expected of the uh, of the properties and the and you know it gets into sort of a weird sort of legal easy sort of talk. It's like these are average movie going people, aren't they? That are they really discuss yeah. you know how it well, how a movie has hurt the brand and stuff like kind come of, on yeah, exactly they're taking their cues from the media. I mean. They don't know how to talk about a movie except the way they hear it talked about on TV and and everything they you know they've read for years. Yeah, I mean, let's be very honest here. Um, This is uh, they started. I think what is it? The middle, the mid '80s. They started reporting the box office grosses and the on the Monday Monday morning papers and on the Entertainment Tonight and things like that. So that 
that's been going on now for well over 30 years. And I'm not saying it's right. That's just sadly the reality. But unfortunately, you you can talk about an art film all you want or an artistic or a critically hit film, but if that film didn't make money, people don't care, unfortunately. Yeah. That's I just, not a new thing. I care. It, but, just, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me because just because a movie made money, why should that be anything that would make you want to go see the movie? Like, Maybe why? it's just an indication that most people have terrible taste or most people just want to follow the pack, you know. But there's yeah, also I mean, this. It it shows you how fickle it shows you how like fickle people are, and how people want to uh, promote a downfall. So then, then years later, they can promote like a resurrection and vice mm. versa. Because if your movie makes too much money, God forbid, then all of a sudden you are the worst director that ever lived, <laughs> i.e. James Cameron. I mean, look no further than James Cameron, who was like a hero of of geeks, like pre-Titanic. As soon as he made Titanic and it made all that money, he was the worst director ever. And it was was so unearned, because obviously he is not the worst director. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, even I even I I can't say that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Well, it's... You know, I mean, here we are. We're talking about Hell or High Water, which is a movie that people like. But how much money is it making? And and is that is that number? Not that I care, but is that number really uh, convincing a lot of people to go out and see it? Because obviously, there's no discussion about quality of movies anymore in uh, in places like uh, you know Entertainment Tonight and so forth or whatever inter- Entertainment Television in general. Uh, or, or, you know, a lot of radio, too. Um, but uh, so people aren't getting uh, – people aren't attuned to that kind of evaluation. And uh, right. and so a movie like Hell or High Water, which is a movie that I think a large number of people would like and for good reason, uh, uh, but it's it's not hitting the headlines because it's not uh, – it's – it's still not. It's only in a few theaters. So. Yeah. Well, let's in, go further than the BBC 100 Greatest Movies of the 21st Century, and the backlash that has gotten, which I don't have much of a problem with. I might switch a couple of them to the numbering around, but I, I have no. I actually think that gives me more hope than anything else that the movies that are on there are on there. Um, yeah. Now, there's an article in the Washington Post online. I read, oh my God, there's not enough geek films on here. And I'm like, thank God. Thank God there's not a lot. The Dark Knight, I think, was the only film on there, and that pissed a lot of people off. But I'm like, thank God there's not a lot of crap on here. Well, like that, that. that list was very, uh, was, I mean, you know, it left off some things that I would want to put on, but oh, yeah. it's still but a pretty it's a good, respectable it's a good start, list. Though. You would, yeah. say, you would agree, though, it's a, it's a good start. Although I don't think, I don't understand why it needs to be done now. I mean, like, why does it need to be done in 2016 as opposed to any well, other year or whatever? I understand. Not really. Are we going to have these lists every year now? Oh, my God, I hope not. But, um, every five but, years? Is that what's going Well, maybe they needed, maybe they needed, maybe they needed readership start, or, though, to this year. Mm. I do think, because it does, because it gets people to see, I mean, Let's be honest, the top ten, a large chunk of the population has not seen those films. Okay? Yeah, well, I agree. If it gets them to go out and see those, I think that list serves a purpose in that regard then. I I Um, agree. 
Okay, well let's uh, we've gotten do- uh, let's yeah. let's bring up a really wait, good. Movie. I can't wait until uh, I can't wait until Joe the Plumber uh, plops in Mulholland Drive for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Dude, they're gonna love it. Uh, <laughs> here's 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 a movie that I really loved that came out this year, and I think you've seen it, um, Jerry. Is uh, Mike Burbiglia's uh, Don't Think Twice, which talk about a movie that needs. Some help. I'm getting some eyes to watch it. Uh, oh, God, this is probably yeah. a movie that's in ten theaters across the nation or something. So, another movie that I think they should have just released on the VOD. But uh, I was uh, surprised because his first film, Sleepwalk with Me, was VOD, mm-hmm. and I was surprised that this did not go VOD. Although they might have thought because of the cast it didn't need to, but. I, I actually think it does need to be. It needs something because it, it's a very, it's a very clever movie, a very funny and a very heartfelt movie too. Um, Just to let people know what it's about, it's about a um, uh, a New York uh, improv group. And usually, I'm not a big, huge fan of improv comedy. I feel like I, I don't. I'm a lot of times I'm embarrassed by it, really, and I I, I feel. It makes me uneasy somehow, but uh, luckily the movie is not really about improv comedy. It's about the desire for success uh, that all of, all of its struggling members have, and uh, part of that success includes getting <clears throat> getting an audition with a Saturday Night Live like TV show um, called Weekend Live, uh, uh, and. In the in the group, there's Keegan Michael Key, you know, part of Keegan and Peele. Uh, there's Jillian Jacobs, uh, Mike Birbiglia, of course, is the uh, who's the writer and director of the piece. Uh, Kate Maiucci, uh, uh, Tammy Sanger, and uh, Chris Gethard, and they are all terrific together. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like a, a really good ensemble cast, and is <clears throat> it's a movie that. That uh, doesn't doesn't stick with just comedy as its uh, as its uh, strongest point. Uh, although it is funny, um, uh, but it, um, it um, it gets very it gets very philosophical about uh, about you know uh, uh, wish wishes for success and uh, whether whether at some point uh, when it doesn't look like you're going to. Make it in your chosen field if uh, if it's time to get out uh, and um, or press forward and I do think the movie sort of wraps things up a little bit in too nice of a little bow um, uh, you know at the end but then again it does it does make the movie incredibly likable and um, uh, but it it keeps it from being you know really great uh, so. Um, I, I I really dig the movie though, uh, and uh, I particularly like Jillian Jacobs uh, as she's in a relationship with uh, Keegan Michael Peel, who actually gets that actually does get the uh, well, they both get a call to the audition. Yeah, no, uh, and uh, it, that's treated in in an interesting way. And uh, I, but I thought she was the funniest member of the group, particularly her. You gotta love a movie that has a reference to uh, John Cassavetes' uh, <laughs> "Woman Under the Influence." She does a, yeah, no, a really absolutely. hilarious imitation of Jenna Rollins from that movie. Yeah, that's no, uh, no. almost kind of a throwaway, really. 
but uh, and, and but I forgot who she's walking with. But he goes, God, that's obscure even for 1974, you know. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, which I also thought was a good line, but um, it's it's a very good movie. No, it, it is. I, I don't think I've seen a movie that's that honest that, um, you know, they, there's a great little montage and that shows them all of their day jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a very important thing because I don't think a lot of people realize that most people in the in the entertainment business have day jobs. Mm-hmm. I really do think that's something that's been glossed over um, until very recently, and I thought that was a great little touch um, because including yeah, all of us, we all have day yeah, jobs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, but that's what I mean. It's something that people really don't know about. That, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, most people, what is it? Um, fake it until you make it. Um, yeah, um, there is that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was a great little touch, and I also thought it was quite like, I mean. Not the most flattering um, portrayal of Laura, the Lauren Michaels type character. I thought that um, definitely had his digs in for him. Um, I, I thought that was a very telling um, couple of sequences with him in that movie. Um, Who I was, was, it? was I saw I saw Richard Mazur as being listed in the uh, in the uh, um, in the credits. Was that? Where was, was he that in him? It? I don't. I'd have to go back. <laughs> I, was, I, I thought was, it was a, not the most you know. flattering portrayal of him. I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> and it has, you know, cameos by Lena Dunham and uh, uh, Ben Stiller. Um, so Ben Stiller thing was so and cool. it's, and I, it's I, produced by uh, it's produced by Ira Glass. So you know how much yeah. how much more recommendation can you get? That that's true. I know a lot of I I I don't follow Ira Glass's work, but I know a lot of people do. Uh, but uh, let me let me bring up another one just to, to see if you guys have seen this uh, this weekend. You know, after seeing two pretty not so great movies, I saw Southside with You, the uh, Barack Obama, uh, Michelle Obama first date movie. Which I thought was extremely sweet and uh, compact. It's very, it's very short. It's, you know, it's eighty minutes long, uh, and um, it's it's just basically kind of, I you know, I mean, a lot of people are going to compare it to uh, Before Sunset, uh, the Richard Linklater movie. It has something similar to that, but I'm, I don't know that it gets as sort of deep and and um, sort of. Um, philosophical as that film does but it is deep into character and it shows the uh, it shows even on this first date uh each of these parties helping each other with uh some of their past hurts and their present worries uh michelle is is has a great scene uh tika sumter is the actress's name she's terrific she has a great scene where she talks about how she has to she has to perform better than everybody else because she's the black woman just to get just to get on the, the a level playing field she has to perform better and that's why she doesn't really want to be out on a date with Barack who she's uh, supervising in in the law in the law office and um and she doesn't she doesn't want this to look like a date so she wants to keep it quiet and on the down low mm-hmm. And while he's while he's really pressing uh, to go further in in this and, and to actually 
to actually set up a relationship with this woman. Uh, and meanwhile, he's uh, he's a, uh, a community organizer for uh, uh, you know working out of a, a small Chicago church, and uh, um, he's he's not quite as far along as she is. And uh, he has he has some past issues with his father, uh, who uh, he hasn't seen in quite a while, and um, and has still has animosity towards. So uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's directed by Richard Tan, and, and it's produced by Tika Sumter as well. She uh, she works as the producer on it, and it's beautifully shot and scored and. Has a really nice closing song by John Legend, who's also one of the producers. And uh, it's funny the the audience that I saw, which was a majority black audience, uh, I think went out to go see it without in knowing anything about it. Because when it was finally over, which is really just a cup, uh, uh, there's a scene where they are both getting home from the date, and that's all it is. And then the movies, the credits come up, and they went, "What? Oh, come on! That's it. We all we get is one date." And I was like, "Did these people know? Did the audience know that this was only going to be one date here?" But, but I think you yeah. and I are the only two people that like this movie. Um, I didn't realize it was getting panned as much as it was. Um, I, I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I won't lie to you. If it's getting panned, it's getting panned because the people who are watching it don't like to watch these kind of movies. I mean, we cannot, we cannot, no, we can no longer ascribe great, uh, um, great taste to any of uh, the critics out there because we really don't know anything about these people. And no, we don't. They could be just. Wouldn't it be getting panned because it's Obama hero worship in the tail end of an election cycle? I don't think that it's I don't think that it's hero worship, really. Though no, I, I don't see the I mean, movie like that. It's, uh, it's I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a there wasn't. I guess you could say that Bush's uh, Oliver Stone's Bush movie had stuff about when he met Laura, and that was at the tail end of his presidency. But that That's wasn't true. very flattering. and that was a rather positive portrayal of of. Bush. Yeah, uh, I mean that movie's not the negative movie that everyone was making out. Let's be honest, that movie is actually not. No, that movie. But you don't. Very you don't walk out of that movie. You don't walk out of seeing the relationship in that movie and talking about how sweet it is. Yeah, but that's all this movie is—is is a relationship. I mean, that's that that's right. All, if that was all that W was, then yeah. But unfortunately, it's not. It goes much further. <laughs> it goes further along. Yeah. That, uh, we get to. We get to. Um, we get we get to Katrina, I think, in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. And I beyond, do think you get out of this movie. I do think that you come out of this movie thinking, boy, those those people do really have a really good marriage going on. Uh, yeah, and, yeah um, they do. I mean, they surely do. They do. Um, and, and I, so you, you know, and. Um, and I mean, I think the most hero worshipy it gets is when uh, there's a long scene where uh, Obama is taking her to the church that he's helping, and and he gives a inspirational speech there that really impresses her. Uh, it's probably the first time in the movie that she's impressed by this gentleman. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't know why you would give a movie like this a bad review because it's just so. Uh, 
it's the kind of movie we don't get to see very often. It's never overplayed. Uh, it is exactly I, I, for all I, I from what I know about their first date, which is not much, but I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, they go out to to see do the right thing. That's yeah. part of the thing, and uh, <clears throat> and there's ice cream involved and so forth. So I think uh, I think it's rather accurate. It's never it's never histrionic or uh, phony in any way. Do they feed each other ice cream? Like like no. in the uh, classic movie montages? <laughs> no, they don't do that. Um, but uh, do they share a uh, noodle of spaghetti like a lady in the country? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing quite like that, Jamie. Nothing quite yeah. like that. We learn uh, that Michelle does not like pie. That's what we learn. We learn that Michelle does like not pie. That's not like pie. <laughs> uh, by the way, the the um, the lead male it is named Parker Sawyer's, and he's very good in it. Uh, and they're they're extremely well cast and uh, and very. I just thought it was, I mean, sweet is what you get out of it. It's like, boy, that was a that was just a sweet little realistic kind of little movie that we don't get to see very much of. And yeah, I loved it. You're right. We don't. We really don't get to see that. It was, look, it's a shame that this movie is already being, you know, if you go to Drudge Report, it has a typical headline. That doesn't morning. count. Of course it's going to get panned there. Yeah, no, no, it can get panned. It's going to get panned at Breitbart, too. But, I mean. No, the box office, you know, I went to Drudge. I mean, box office, it's only going to play in five theaters. Well, no, it played, well, around here it played a lot. It was actually showing in a lot of theaters, but. I just love how they say it, drugs. Oh, um, Obama movie disappoints. I'm like, guys, just just stop it, okay? Get out of office. What do you? You didn't think it was gonna be, you know, uh, fighting off the stupid horror movie for the box office? There's no way. There's no way. I mean, you know what? You you already hear. You can already imagine the criticism of the movie. How dare they? Those liberals make a movie about their president. Um, you know. You can already, you know, see, and that's the same, but it's actually a very sweet movie. I mean, it's yeah, incredibly it's good. sweet. You can't help but go, like Go, it. go see it. I, I think, you know, I think it's an excellent date movie, by the way. Yeah, um, it's It's not an insulting date movie, you know? I mean, yes. it's a very realistic, um, it's just, and you're like, you know, after you watch it, you're like, thank God they met each other, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I have to say that. They really, I don't, I, you do get the impression that they wouldn't have gone as far uh, in life if they ha- hadn't had met each other. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, so there's something, how do I say it? You're like, you feel like you're watching because you're uh, witnessing the last eight years and knowing that these eight years could have gone drastically different. Um, you're like, yeah, thank God these two met each other. I mean, yeah. you know, you really, there is, a, there is a sort of, as you're walking out of the theater, there's a sense of relief. And mm. I know that line will piss off some of our listeners, but I really don't <laughs> care. Um, but there's a sense uh, of, like, there's some relief. Um, let me bring up another movie, a totally different kind of movie, that I saw, also got good reviews this year, so I went to go see it, and I absolutely hated it. It is now my number one worst movie of the year. Even though it did make me laugh a couple of times, I still consider it to be an ugly abomination, and that is Sausage Party, the Seth Rogen animated movie about talking food. Which I'll never read Sausage me, the same way again. <laughs> Sounds to me 
like somebody's just been smoking a little bit too much pot. Like it's time to not not every idea that you get when you're on pot is uh, something that you should make into a movie. It might seem like that at the time, but it's not. So this is basically, of course, the it's about talking food uh, as supermarket. It it sort of it tries to go for some uh, religious sort of overtones in that the people who are buying the food are seen as the gods, and when they get cho- when the foods get chosen off of the off of the uh, shelf, they think they're going to Valhalla or something. And uh, and then they have to learn about what really happens. Okay, here's my here's my thing. Okay, first of all, I didn't feel like the movie builds its world very well. There's some things that are inanimate objects that are talking, but then there are other things that aren't inanimate objects that are talking. It just didn't feel like the rules there were set up quite right. Like what's I mean, the villain in it is a talking douche. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that like, just really threw me off right there. That, like, so that, all of these things, like there's a broom in there that talks and there's a, you know, it's a really, I mean, uh, I, I just if don't understand that. only talk. If only douches <laughs> could talk, right. Oh, um, but, uh, you know, most of the characters are food, uh, and it also revels in sort of, Okay, well, my number one thing that I hated about it most was it's one of these movies that thinks that the, if you just throw the word fuck or shit in the in the uh, uh, into the sentence, whatever it is, could be like, "How you doing? How the fuck you doing?" That last line, that's the funny line. That's the that's what you're supposed to be laughing at. How the fuck you doing? Uh, everything everything has has uh, a uh, sort of a prurient blue tone to it, and I just don't think that that's funny. I just by itself, like just there has to be something actually funny in it, you know, in the lines. So I I'm not the prude. I don't mind, you know. Look, Blue Velvet's one of my favorite movies, and no movie says fuck more than that movie, except for maybe Scarface. Uh, and I just don't don't find that humorous. Secondly. Uh, it was an ugly movie to watch. It was just everything about it is ugly. Uh, the animation design, the design of the the human characters in it, uh, just the uh, the places that it goes. I just find it very uh, very unpleasant. You know. Now people say people might say, well, this is just obviously not a movie for you. Well, why can't it be a movie for me? I mean, it, I liked uh, I liked this is the end. Uh, the Seth the Seth Rogen movie took place in their the L.A. house with the world ending. I thought that was just fun, and I thought things were funny in it too, very funny. Mm-hmm. But this was just a kind of a an abomination. Uh, again, a couple of scenes I, I did laugh at, but um, but I just thought it was just kind of junk. Can I give you an honest review? Yeah, a really honest review. I saw the movie. I remember I watched it after Hello High Water. I don't remember much about it. Um, if you want to know the God's honest truth, I mean, I thought you know what I thought this would make a really great short on yeah. Adult Swim or something. Yes, I just thought it just got it, you know. And after a while, it was just like okay, I get it, I get it, guy. I guess the food 
it talks, it swears, it's interested in sex. I get it. Um, but, you know, it's just as, as a full-length movie, you're just, like, thinking this runs out of steam rather quickly. Um, it does. Like, 45 minutes into it, I started thinking, you know, it's interesting that they called this, like, an adult animated movie. Um, and yet it still hits those same kind of Pixar beats where it starts to, you know, there's chasing, and then, you know, the last 30 minutes of it or so is just a madcap chase and a whole bunch of action going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who gives a fuck? Like, it's just not even any, it's not even funny. It's just a bunch of noise to uh, distract the kids. Only we're not kids, we're adults. Yeah, so yeah. so I mean, we're, we're still watching kid shit when we're 45 years old. Yeah, and, no, no, I mean, uh, you know, it ain't for the cat, okay? It, it ain't for the cat. I mean, it's metal. not. It's not Watership Down or oh, uh, no, to no, mention no. a good so, adult. <laughs> no, uh, I, you know, what worries me here? What worries me here with Rogan and company? And I guess it was James Franco involved in this too, or uh, he has a voice in it. And so this, so this says, uh, uh, okay. I mean, uh, uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, Okay, so the usual gang, the usual gang of suspects, who, I, who some of which I, I, I do like a lot, are all involved in a movie called Zeroville um, that there's been a trailer for. And Zeroville is about Hollywood in the late '60s, and um, written by Steve Erickson. I think it's the greatest novel ever written about movies. Um, the sad thing is, I think these guys might have mangled it. Um, nothing oh. has given me. Nothing has given me any sort of confidence. I think James Franco has made it into a buddy comp between mm. his character and Seth Rogen. Now, this is the thing that really throws me out. The trailer is available online somewhere. Um, I think it's one of those works-in-progress trailers, if there's such a thing. Mm. But Seth Rogen is playing a guy called the Viking, who is obviously John Milley. But the problem is, if you watch the trailer, there's a guy who looks exactly like John Milley is in the goddamn movie. And I'm like, mm. wait, wait a second. Wait a second. I mean, there's two, there's two John Milliuses in the movie. Um, but I am kind of concerned because I do think James Franco, while I do appreciate his, his wanting to be everywhere and do everything, I think they might have botched this horribly. I'm not, you know, Sausage Party, I could take or leave. I, I thought it went on too long. I, you were you you thought that 45 minutes into it, 15 minutes into it, I was like, um, when does this end? No, I was um, trying to give it the the benefit of the doubt, you know, and see where it was going, not, and then I, when I gave up. Horrible. It's just it's it's what I think of most most like movies like that. It's like it goes on. It's a, it, this would work much better as a skit than it would as an actual feature length film. This is like something we would have watched on Saturday Night Live in the seventies as like a short animated film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like one of those kind of things. It, it, as a feature, like I can't movie, wait. I just... can't wait for Bad Santa too. By the way, talking about <laughs> now that crude humor, that's <laughs> that I can't. That I'm looking forward to. You see, I mean, again, that's that's a movie that curses with poetry. Uh, 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 the first Bad Santa. That that's uh, that's a movie that has you know some soul to it. But uh, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to the sequel. Oh yeah, I mean the second um, one. Yeah. Yeah, the second oh. one could be could be very good. I mean, yeah. Okay, so let me bring up another title now that we know we hated that. Uh um I'm interested to know if you've seen it. And that's uh Florence Foster Jenkins, the new Mel Meryl Streep 
Hugh Grant. Yeah, I've, I've film. seen it. Um, what do we want to say about it? Well, I'll just start off. I, I uh, you know, <clears throat> I've read about Florence Foster Jenkins, who's a, a, a who was a socialite in the twenties and thirties that uh, became uh, a sensation for her singing, which was famously bad. That's about all you need to know. And Hugh Grant plays her husband, who who's really just a kept man. Who uh, they don't even really live together. He keeps another apartment. They don't sleep together or anything. And all he does is facilitate this fantasy that she has of being a uh, a, uh, a well regarded singer on stage and on records. And um and so the whole movie is basically just a sort of a one joke film. It's a kind of a one joke movie in that uh the whole thing is just trying to keep her fancy going by, you know, hiring people to be in the audience and to people to praise her effusively and everything because she's rich. It, that's really her accomplishment is that she's rich. And uh and really for me I just didn't see any point to it. I was like, Okay, so where are we going with this? And it just never went anywhere. It's um, an odd movie. It's a very odd film in that regard and it's a Stephen Ferris movie too. Um let's not forget that. Um so this is Stephen Ferris going back to his like sort of Mrs. Henderson presents kind of mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a far better film than this. Um Yeah. This film is actually kind of of the moment because it's a film really, I it, sadly the target audience doesn't really know that it's the target audience and that's millennials. And this is for the whole snowflake population. Um, I hate to say it, this is like, no, you're not going to go see this movie. Not gonna there wasn't see, one, really, there wasn't really, one non-white haired person in that audience that I was with. You and I were the people in the audience, let's be very But it's really, you could say, this is about the whole helicopter parenting. Oh, you guys are the best. You're so smart. You're so talented and all that. That's what it was kind of saying to me, that, you, uh, know, you know what I'm that's saying? A, like, you're just so special. But, yeah, no, you're not. You're like everyone else. You suck. Um you know, I yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even consider that as a as a theme in the movie. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, uh, do they really think they're going to get that out there to the? No, no, I mean, no, of course not. No, no, no. They were thinking that. They were thinking that. But that's really what you're you're basically saying, though, that yeah, you have all this money, you can't sing for shit. But yeah, you have all this money, so you like you you said, and actually, you Grant is actually very good in the movie. Let's, I'm not going to be the right. He's actually very good. He's but, all right, but I think he was very good. You know, they're counting him as a possible nominee for best supporting actor. Why is he a supporting actor in this? I because I I I maybe because he didn't want to be a star. I he's, don't know. Um, he's he's I, the I he's the lead. Start, I hate when people start doing this in the summer. They start talking about the nominations because yeah. you know, come come December, no one's going to be talking about this. That's um, true. That is absolutely true. When it comes around to the nomination time, I can tell you right now, nobody's going to be talking about Florence Foster Jenkins. They're not going to be talking about Meryl Streep for Best Actress because she's only in it for about. She's not in it very much. Uh, 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 he's the lead. 
he's he's the movie's really about him uh and um and uh I didn't really think that he was fantastic in it. I mean, well, I, I thought he was bad. You know, you know, we don't. I don't. You gotta forgive me. I don't see him that much. When I do see him, I'm always like got a chuckle. But I, I think you know, he's like. How do I say? He has sort of the best of both worlds. I mean, he, he gets to deliver this. You know, he gets all this money and everything. And he gets to go screw this other woman in this apartment. Um, you know, there's other things. He kind of has the best of all possible worlds at this time. Um. Well, I do think it's, it's a movie that is of the moment in a sense because I think we, we, we we're so eager to please, you know, we're so eager to say, oh, you're so special and everything, and that you're, you know, you're going to do, you're, you can do whatever you want in this world, and no, you really can't. And I know that and it's reading maybe too much into it, but that's I think you're reading way too much into it because I this, think, I, think I think you're, I think you're giving it too much credit because I, I really credit. think it's just a movie about an old lady who. Can't sing. That's all it Can is. Can I say what I think this movie really? This movie is what I call a, a movie for the old Jews in Bethesda. That's what it's this a, movie is. Yeah, that's what it, it is. That's, yeah. that's what I call this movie. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's, 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 that's what it is. This is what I call this movie. I call this a lot of films. So, in this, but I, as I told him, you know, this is a movie that's for the old Jews in Bethesda, the landmark Bethesda Row. This is the movie they all go see. That, that you well, they all see. they were all charmed by it, and I just thought, wow, what a bore this is. Yeah. It's just a, it's the same it's, uh, joke hey. you know, all the all throughout the entire movie. I yeah. mean, you've got that you've got that character who plays her piano player, who kind of does the same thing throughout the movie. This sort of embarrassed laugh, this <laughs> that kind of laugh. Oh, he and, got on my nerves. He, he got on my nerves he, like immediately. <laughs> I mean, the best thing you can say about him is that he played the piano throughout the entire movie. That's a really good play. So, but uh, um, but I just, I just, I was like, oh boy, this this is so stodgy. I got to get out of here. But but uh, I, but I stuck I it all the way through. And, I saw a hey. movie last night, though, that, um, God, I, you know, what's happened to Gus Van Zandt? Can we ask that question? Oh, that yeah, I've heard this is not so great. Okay, so Matthew McConaughey plays in a movie, a Gus Van Zandt movie called The Sea of Trees, and as we learn, he goes to this forest in Japan that, this is not the first movie made about this forest this year, by the way, guys, this is the second Japanese suicide forest movie. There was a first one that came out. This is no. There's a first one, as you all know, that came out the first week of January called The Forest with Natalie Dormer burning mm. through her 15 minutes of fame with um, Game of Thrones. Um, uh-huh. That was a more horror movie than this is, though. Um, I did not see that. Um, and so, but I did not realize when that movie came out that there would be a second movie about this forest. But there is. It is the art house version of, and that's, and it's not it's not a horror movie. It's the guy who's, who wants he's going to this forest because his his um, wife, um, played by Naomi Watson, as we learn in the flash in the flashbacks, has, has died. So he's really depressed, and he goes he befriends Ken Watanabe in the forest. Who why he's going to help Ken Watanabe? Everyone goes to this forest to die. Why you would want to go help Ken Watanabe? Oh, what's wrong? Why are you here? Why do you think, Matthew? Why do you think everyone goes to this forest? You know, yeah, that's sort of like what the, the movie has. The movie does not make sense in that regard. But we get all these flashbacks. But you do ask, what has happened in Gus Van Zandt? Um, you can't help but ask that while you're watching this movie. Um, 
I'm really glad that it was on demand because I think if I had saved money to see this in the theater, I would have walked out. Um, what was the last? I mean, it feels like it does feel like. Has it been a while? I mean, I guess Promised Land was maybe his last good movie, which is a movie that a lot of people haven't seen. But yeah, uh, that was a, that was a, at least a decent film. I think he tried to do something. That was the last movie. There was a movie before that called Reckless, which I've never seen. Um, oh yeah, with uh, Dennis Hopper's kid in it. Yeah, I never. I know that didn't play long enough, and I've just never gotten around to watching it. I would like to see it. But I just feel like, you know, he picks, he's like very hit or miss. Um, it seems like since he won, he did, did so well with Milk, he doesn't really almost care anymore in some sense. Because um, I think Milk was a movie he was always trying to make. Now, that's mm. a, this guy has made some really interesting films. Elephant, Paranoid Park, um, Jerry, some really challenging films. Um I mean, and if you want to go back to, of course, early in his career, Drugstore Cowboy. I think Drugstore and, Cowboy and uh, It's Good My Own Private Idaho, um, Good Will Hunting, which is like, and you know, he's, he made the mis- you know, it's not his fault. I mean, even Cowgirls Get the Blues should have been much better than it was, but it's still, I think, I'm not convinced it's very hard to bring Tom Robbins. How do you bring Tom Robbins to the screen is, mm. and make it, you know, how do you do that? That's very hard. Having read a lot by Tom Robbins, and that was a film I was really looking forward to, but I was disappointed. And that's a, that's a film I don't even think people talk about anymore, really. You never really hear people talk about that when you can talk about Gus Van Zandt. That's almost swept under the rug. And let's not forget To Die For, which is very good. I mean, yeah. he is a, he is, he's a very, he's actually, people don't give him credit enough. He's a very diverse filmmaker, a very varied but, filmmaker. But as of late, he is quite hit or miss. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it it. You're right that it seems like after milk, there seems to be like some sort of. Um, there just seems to be something uh, that happened there. It's just like, well, he took a he took about three or four years off. Yeah, and didn't I mean, do a movie for a, a long good time. Filmmaker. Let's not think and remember, as I learned this week, that at least the remake of Psycho does have one very big fan, and that's Tarantino who prefers mm. it to the original. So let's not forget that. Um, you know, sometimes I think Tarantino is is, is an insane maniac when it comes to... I think he's trying to get a rise out of people. I just think he says that to get a, a rise out of people. I, I can't don't. Believe... I don't. I think he, I think he really believes it. I, I re- think he really believes that, you know, old John Ford westerns are, are horrible uh, because he likes spaghetti westerns, which is what supplanted the western, the American western. Mm-hmm. And I, I also believe that, like for instance, I just heard like some kind of uh, thing where he was, he was introducing some movie at the New Beverly, his theater in L.A. that he mm-hmm. owns, and he asked people to, uh, he asked people, okay, who here likes uh, the remains of the day? And some people raised their hands, and he said, "Get the fuck out of here!" To them, you know, like. And I believe that's he. I I don't think that he likes that type of movie, uh, and um, uh, you know, it's just not his his thing. I think he's being honest in all of these. Patrons at your theater, I don't care who you are. I don't think you should. Well, he wasn't. I don't think he really threw him out, but no, no, he, I don't think, I don't think he, I don't he think it's not, like, it's not like a Trump rally, it's not like a Trump rally yeah. where they escort you out, <laughs> no, uh, but, you know, he's, he's an odd one, so I, I don't, you know, sometimes he'll say these things, and I just don't, I don't know, like, he, you know, one that year that Drive came out, he didn't like Drive, he made a point of, like, saying he really didn't like it, 
and I wonder if he somehow, because it's, it's kind of the film he would have made at one time, you know? Is he jealous? jealous? Yeah, I think there's some jealousy there with Drive. Um, mm. I, I do it feel- much better than he, th- this guy did. Uh, well, I I didn't like Drive either, so that's where I... I that's where right, I no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's, you know, but I do wonder, sometimes he says these things, like when he said Showgirls is the best movie he saw that year. Are are you really? That's you dumb. really want to go there? You really want to go there? You really want to say that? You know that does that does sound like a, a risable kind of comment, yeah. I mean something you know, something um, that's but, meant to no. I going back to Van Zandt though. Um, he, you know, he, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves though. For the most part, he is a very interesting filmmaker. He has a great. You can't you look at his filmography. There's a lot to admire there. There's a lot to really admire. He made a lot of careers. He gave a lot of people their big break. Um, well, and, I mean, uh, you know, he's done some great movies, and he's done some movies that that are, uh, you know, I think are laudable in that they're kind of um, bold in a way. I mean, like, I think of Jerry as being a kind of a movie that uh, most people are going to hate, and um, I... I can understand that, and at the same time, uh, I think if you give yourself over to it, uh, there's some rewards there. Mm-hmm. But um, but I guess you wouldn't put Sea of Trees in that same category, would I don't, you? I think Sea of Trees just seems like it's, and it's also so unlike a Van Zandt film. You wonder what drew him to the material exactly. Mm. You know what was here that you know what was it you saw here that was so. Worthwhile, but you know, I, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not, it's not a great film, and he'll, I would like to think that he will bounce back. And the reason I, you know, Promised Land, which I like, didn't, didn't made no dent whatsoever. It came out at the end of that year. No, and hardly yeah. anyone talked. I mean, that got lost very quickly. That got lost, yeah. And you know, and he, but he's an interesting filmmaker. Um. I'm trying to think. I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff over the last couple of weeks. Um, well, let me move thought, on to another one here that uh, maybe well, you've seen. Um, the uh, I'm not a huge Daniel Radcliffe fan. In fact, I've never seen anything uh, of uh, his work that I really liked, including including Harry Potter, which I'm not a fan of. But um, I finally saw something that I thought was. Uh, uh, hopefully indicative of you know better things to come from him, and that's uh, Imperium, where he plays a. Um, it's the debut film by Daniel Rag Ragusis, which is uh, 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 kind of a weird name, but um, Imperium is about uh, Radcliffe's character, who's an FBI agent, who is uh, uh, put undercover, taken, plucked out of the office where he prefers to be, and is placed into uh, an undercover role uh, trying to penetrate the white supremacist uh, terrorism uh, network. Mm, Okay. Um, Oh, yeah, this came out on demand. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. And I thought that he was, you know, uh, there's, there's, He's slightly miscasted it in that, you know, most of these guys are, you know, hulking, seven-foot, you know, uh, bearded, uh, bald, white dudes. Uh, right. And, uh, and he's he's like a little shrimpy guy. <coughs> and 
kind of looks ridiculous wandering, scattering around amongst the giants. But um, he's 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 quite good in it, uh, quite quite powerful. Uh, uh, you get a sense of him being kind of a uh, uh, quick on his feet without showing any kind of um, any kind of uh, worry or whatever. Like when he's caught in a in a situation where he he possibly can get uncovered. Uh, there's a uh, you, you sense his thought processes, and uh, he's he's just quite good at that. Also, uh, the movie is very good in uh, its casting of uh, Tracy Letts, who has had a terrific year this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, he's in. He's in Indignation, which uh, I understand he's very good in. No, he's he also is. in. He's also in the new uh, Todd Salons movie, Wiener Dog, which has also hit uh, VOD recently. But uh, <clears throat> he plays he plays kind of a Alex Jones type of character uh, that's running a radio station out of the basement of his mother's house, <laughs> which is a which is a funny funny detail. And um, uh, yes, and then there's a really good. Another really good supporting performance by Sam Trammell, who plays a uh, white supremacist, white supremacist who's uh, based in suburbia. So, and he's he's not your typical white supremacist. He he looks more like you know somebody's doctor or something that's living living uh, you know in a nice subdivision somewhere. Uh, and he turns out to be kind of uh, the most uh, the most dangerous of them all. Uh, and uh, you know, I could have done without Tony Collette, who I think overplays her uh, her role as a as a FBI um, you know bigwig that puts mm-hmm. that puts Radcliffe into the position that he's in. Uh, I, and I always feel like when she comes into the movie, the movie becomes overwritten and uh, over devised, kind of over plotted. But <clears throat> but generally, I thought this was a good. Movie and and kind of uh, a fairly impressive debut from the director, who's also the writer as well. So I recommend it with with tiny reservations. Well, that's such a good thing. You know, not you know, not everything. You know, how do I say this? Not everything. There seems to be. It's all right to have reservations. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I you know, I want to see that. I definitely want to see that. But I opted for Into the Forest that night with um, mm. Ellen Page and Evan Rachel Wood. Which I thought was was very well done, where you have they live on with their father in a house in the woods, and there's a blackout, and it turns out it's a blackout that's not going to end anytime soon. It's basically the end of the civilized society, um, and it shows how society breaks down and how they're going to go on. But it's a real, in that sense, it's a very realistic movie. The feel and everything, what would happen in this scenario, um, mm. and it's definitely worth all checking out. Um, but yeah, there are also reservations there. So it's, it's kind of hard to watch Ellen Page sometimes because um, she does look like a little, you know, a little kid still. Um, but, <laughs> but she does, you know, you know. What I, well, watch Free Held, Free Held, that one that she made with um, Julian Moore. You just couldn't eat. You know, it's just like wow, she looks. You mean know, she looks like she did in Hard Candy almost. I mean, mm. at this point in her career, it's like it's like Juno and all those other films never happened. Um, it's like we have, you know, it's like I wish I could age that well. Um, but, you know, she's good. And it's also good to see Evan Rachel Wood in a movie. I mean, 
you know. Yeah, I like always her. good. To, she's a great actress, and mm-hmm. I forget who plays their father. I forget the actor, but that that was interesting. I let me ask you guys: Have either of you seen Anthropoid with Cillian mm-hmm. Murphy? Not yet. Uh, okay, it's the um, World War Two movie or pre World War Two movie, I should say, actually, where the the plot to assassinate um, Heydrich in Czechoslovakia. And it's really well done. Really slow burn of a movie, but this is based on a true story of the Czech resistance that is going to assassinate Heydrich, a Nazi, um, high-ranking Nazi author, one of the highest-ranking Nazi authors, I think the third, actually, if I'm not mistaken. And it's it's very well done. Um, what does the title well. actually refer to? That's, that, that's my I first question. That. I, I looked it up a couple of weeks ago, Dean. you got to forgive me. I don't remember. Oh, it's The Operation. The Operation but, Anthropoid. But, but, uh, but uh, it, it just, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, what is this, some kind of sci-fi movie or something? Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, too, the poster. It's not a great title. Not a great title, but it's, a, it's a definitely, a worthwhile, definitely worthwhile checking out, though. Um, did is it in English? Did, it's in English, yeah. right? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was, I, yeah. I mean, it's like the first great Cillian Murphy post Pinky Blinders role. Uh, he's, an, he's an interesting actor. I like him. Um, he, I know that they were they're trying to make him into a big star after you know with Red Eye and everything. They should stop he, doing that. He's not a he's not a huge star. But he was good in I like like Breakfast on Pluto and uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Um, you know he he is a good actor though. But yeah, I, like him, had, I like him in Batman Begins. I thought he, he made was a good. He superb in Batman Begins, mm-hmm. and he kept coming back for little little parts in those Christopher Nolan movies. Um, yeah. He was um, very good. Um, you know, there's, there's, well, Jamie, what are, you, what are the movies you've seen? He saw Scarface. What more does he need to watch? I mean, he got to see Scarface last night. I mean, um, I saw this movie with uh, Rachel Rachel Weisz and Michael Shannon called Complete Unknown. Oh, how is um, that? <clears throat> it's pretty good. She plays like a enigmatic woman that keeps changing her identities uh, throughout her life and she's living one identity with this guy and runs into an old boyfriend that knew her when she was who she really was before she started mm-hmm. this journey. Okay. And uh, it's unusual because I mean Rachel Weiss plays that kind of unknowable enigmatic woman and uh, she's paired with Michael Shannon who I can't think of a. I can think of very few more enigmatic actors than Michael Shannon, but he's not mm-hmm. playing the enigma. <laughs> but, uh, so it's interesting. This guy that directed it. Uh, this guy that directed it, Joshua Marston. Uh, he directed Maria Full of Grace. Um, his next movie, which he shoots next week, because I, I talked to him last week. Um, he's shooting the movie with uh, Robert Redford playing Oral Roberts. And uh, it's Robert Redford and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor mm-hmm. together. Um, it's a it's a fine movie. It's a fascinating movie. The problem with it is when you build movies like that that are all about an enigmatic personality and trying to f- figure them out. When the plot starts to figure them out for you, it loses steam. Like mm-hmm. it, it loses its appeal. You know, I, and I don't know how you combat against that necessarily. I guess the revelations have to be more interesting than the mystery. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you okay. know. Yeah. Uh, and the movie doesn't quite do that. Uh, I saw. I tell you what, I want to see that. I missed the live airing of it, but I see that it's online. 
on a channel that I never watch. But if you go to cmt.com, the country music mm-hmm. television network, uh, you can stream online for free the documentary about Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham called The Bandit. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh cool. I cool, forgot. Yeah. I've seen that as well. And and it's it's perfectly fine. I mean, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a time waster of a of a of a documentary, a movie documentary. But uh, it's got a lot of great background footage and stuff, and and it's fine. Well, speaking of that, did you guys see Hitchcock Truffaut? Yes, 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 I did. I still have not watched that yet. For me, it was. Uh, it was fine. You know, it was enjoyable. Of course it was enjoyable for people like us. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But, uh, it was, uh, it's kind of, it's a 90-minute primer on Hitchcock. It's like Hitchcock Greatest Hits. And it has a lot yeah. of talking heads in it. But what I miss about it, and interspersed in it, is kind of the, the discussions that occur between he and Truffaut for the book. But what I missed about it was any sense of well, what did we know what Truffaut thought of Hitchcock, obviously. What did Hitchcock think of Truffaut? What did yeah, Hitchcock you don't get think that. Of, of the new wave? What did Hitchcock mm-hmm. think about younger filmmakers in general? Uh, yeah. And you could find that information uh, in books and things. But the documentary made no attempt whatsoever to give you that. And that, I thought that was missing from the film. Mm-hmm. Very one-sided. Yeah, that does, seem like a, uh, that does seem like it would be a missed opportunity. I mean... You know, everybody knows who who Hitchcock is, but there are probably a lot of people who still don't know who Truffaut is. He's that guy in Closing Counters. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, if you're lucky, that's what they know most lucky. about him. Yeah, if, if you're lucky. If you're... 